This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hi there, guys. It's a new year and things are hopping at Right From The Deep. They are. First, thank you to our wonderful patrons on Patreon. You guys help make this show possible and we appreciate your willingness to support the show by helping to pay for the hosting and our time because it really does take time and money to do this. So um, if you want to see how you can help support the show, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Right From The Deep. That's W-R-I-T-E. And thanks so much to our January sponsor of the month, Wendy L. McDonald. Not not only is Wendy a writer, she also produces a weekly short inspirational podcast on Spotify called Hope Walking with Wendy. Indeed. And another thanks for our sponsorship from the Novel Marketing Podcast with host Thomas Umstead Jr., who we think is amazing. And that is the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. And we love Thomas. We know him and his podcast is full of great information and advice like Novel Marketing's 10 Commandments of Book Marketing, which we've been talking about. And this week, we're focusing on commandment number seven. Thou shalt weigh thine options before investing in marketing. Investing in marketing is a given for any writer. Every successful author does that. But how much of which resources do you invest? For example, one resource is time, another resource is money, and they're both valuable. But how much do you have of each and how do you allocate them? Right, because you can't spend the same marketing dollar on two different things. You've got to choose, nor can you spend the same hour of time on two different things. So there's always going to be a cost, a thing you chose and a thing you didn't choose. So the best thing you can do for yourself is understand and weigh your options so you can make the best decisions you can. You need to ask the right question when it comes to marketing. Don't ask, will this tactic or thing I want to try help me sell more books? Lots of things can help you sell more books. Instead, ask yourself, will this help me sell more books than the next best alternative? For that, again, you need to know what those alternatives are. Listening to the Novel Marketing Podcast is a great way to be informed about those options, which is why we recommend that show. Indeed. So for more book promotion and platform help, listen to Novel Marketing in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. It's my turn to share the wonder as we've been doing for the last low these many months. Um, and I have a wonder that is steeped in gratitude. Um, we returned home from a trip to Washington and Idaho to discover that our house had been broken into and Ouch. somebody had come in and stolen things. So at first there was a lot of anger and shock and dismay, but as the days went on, I suddenly was filled with powerful sense of gratitude. It could have been so much worse. Mm. We could have come home while they were still there. Mm -hmm. They could have had weapons. We could have come home to our house utterly destroyed. They didn't do anything that they could have. They didn't start the water in the sink and put the stopper in and let it overflow all over everywhere. They didn't jam stuff in the toilet. The kind of vandalism that happens around here, none of that happened to our house. 
yes, we found things here and there that they had pulled out of the fridge and the freezer and just left, which we don't understand. But they didn't take any of that food and hide it anywhere so that we find it months later rotted and stinking, especially as we're trying to show our house to sell it. Right. <laughs> there could have been so many worse things that could have happened. But Don and I were on this trip and we had everything that was important with us. Don and I had each other. We had our little doggies, our hmm. four-legged children. We had the possessions that would have cost the most to replace and so God was so gracious in the midst of all this. I never would have thought that I could say I'm filled with gratitude about the break-in at our house, but I am. And that, friends, is a wonder to me. Amen. And now, here's, here's the, the show. show. Hi, everyone, and welcome into the deep this new year. Amazing to think that it's a new year already. We're so glad you're here with us to start out your year, and we are so excited to have Edie Melson here to talk about soul care for you and how you can accomplish this wonderful thing in the midst of this new year. Welcome, Edie. And I get to introduce her. I'm so excited. <laughs> I have known of Edie Melson for a while, but I got to meet her in person at the Florida Christian Writers Conference a while back, and that was just a delight. And while Edie happened to be teaching at the Florida Christian Writers Conference, she's actually the director of a different conference, the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference. Doesn't that sound great? Blue Ridge Mountains. <laughs> <laughs> they have some really exciting things going on there, and we'll put a link in the show notes. So, Find Your Voice, Live Your Story is the foundation of Edie Melson's message, no matter if she's writing for readers, parents, or fellow creatives. As an instructor, she's encouraged and challenged audiences across the country and around the world. Her numerous books, including the award-winning Soul Care series, which we'll be talking about, reflect her passion to help others develop the strength of their God-given gifts and apply them to their lives. She lives in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, again, amazing, where she spends time off hiking with her husband and her camera. Sounds just like what Karen and I would do. <laughs> and so you guys can connect with her at her website, Edie Melson.com or through social media. So, Edie, we're delighted to have you here. Welcome. I am so excited to be here. As I was sharing earlier, this is kind of a bucket list moment because I have loved Right from the Deep podcast since it began. So I'm really excited to be here. Since it began, way back when. <laughs> so good. I, I hope, Edie, that you are prepared to tell us what the deep means to you. I am. I actually, several years ago, wrote a uh, wrote about the deep and what it meant to me. So I was really glad that you guys were going to ask me that. I was at the beach. My husband and I love to go to the South Carolina coast every year. And I love to get out past where the waves are breaking with a float and just sort of bob along and, and spend the afternoon out there. But I always hate getting out there because the waves are crashing and I'm usually knocked over. And as I was doing that, it hit me that this is so much like my spiritual walk. When I feel like I'm staying safe, and close to shore, I am constantly buffeted by all of these mm. waves that just hit me. Um, mm. Sometimes they can swamp me. 
And yet when I decide it's time to go deep with God and I move past those waves, instead of being in a scary place, I find myself in a place where I'm cradled and where I'm at peace and where I'm really able to spend time reflecting and renewing my soul. So that's what the deep means to me. Wow. That is so cool. I love that imagery. Yeah. We we have the Oregon coast out here and um that that's just a very accurate description of what it's like. Bumping along, bumping along. Right. Right. <laughs> so Edie, as we talk about all this, your focus is soul care. So what exactly does soul care mean? How do you define it? For me, soul care is a deeper and stronger connection with God. One of the things I'm asked frequently is what's the difference between self-care, which is really kind of a buzzword right now, and soul care. Mm. And while soul care can provide us with energy and renewal and just a more peaceful way of living, it is not about me. It is about making that that soul tie, that connection with God that cannot be broken no matter what kind of chaos is swirling around and what circumstances I find myself in. It's hmm. ah. very good. Yes, I like that. That's a that's a really a huge difference. Well, you know what the interesting thing to me though, ultimately, soul care does help you. I mean, it is self-care. Eventually, right. you know, that connection strengthens with God and it it becomes a better you. It becomes a better self. But it's not I, it's funny, you can you don't get there through you, you know. Right, right. I think that's I think that's clearly the difference in self-care, at least as the world sees it, it's all about me. In soul care, as Edie has talked about it, and as as it means to us as believers and as writers seeking to spread God's word, it's all about God. It's about going deeper and and knowing God better and having that foundation. We just read, uh, Aaron and I read Streams in the Desert every day when we're having our meetings before we start with our meetings. And the reading for today, which um, we're actually recording this November 24th, the day before Thanksgiving, but the reading was talking about how we need to be so anchored in God that even when there's chaos or devastation going on around us, we're we're focused on Him. We're not focused on circumstances. We're focused on Him. Right. So what do you think, Edie, as far as like, how does this apply to writers? Like, why do writers need the soul care? Well, I think it boils down to the fact that you can't pour water out of an empty bucket. Mm. And if we aren't connected with God, with the wellspring of our creativity and our very life, then we don't have anything to draw from. Our creativity dries up. Our inspiration dries up. Our very energy dries up. And so I think we've got to be connected to that, to that source of living water so that God can work through us and through our words. Mm. 
It reminds me, I was listening to a sermon, a, a long ago sermon that uh, John Piper had done about um, when Jesus fed the 5,000. And, you know, I mean, there's Jesus multiplying this sustenance, you know. But the interesting thing was after it was all done, and I think about how the, the disciples are there with them, and they're, they're busy and they're tired. After it's all done, after they're spent and tired, Jesus is like, pick up the, the leftover bread. How much leftover bread was there? 12 baskets, okay? And I think about that, like, that's not a coincidence. There's one basket <laughs> for each guy. And it's like God saying, I know you're tired, but look, I just refilled your basket. So I, that's what I was connecting with as you were talking about that, how we need to stay connected so that God will continually be pouring. Because it's really not us pouring out. It's God pouring through us into others. So I think that's cool. Very cool. I find, too, that one of the issues for us is we want to be able to focus on pouring out to others and focus on drawing deeper and closer to God and yet life, you know, life comes in. Don and I are in a chaotic life place. We we are putting our home on the market and getting rid of three households of stuff, mom and dad stuff, my older brother who died almost exactly a year ago unexpectedly, and then our accumulation of things over the last 18 years of living in this home that we love. And so, you know, we've been going through all that stuff. It's been chaotic. We took a trip to go up to Washington and look for a possible home. And when we got back, we discovered that someone had broken in and they had robbed us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... First, we brought ourselves into chaos by, by trying to put our home on the market, and then we go on this trip, and then we come back, and someone is broken in. And I can't begin to tell you how weary Don and I have been. We were weary before we discovered the theft, but now in the midst of all that, the thing that I realized as these last couple of days have gone by, we got home Sunday night, and it's Wednesday, the things that I've realized as we've gone through all this and the phone calls to protect our finances and you know to report the theft and the police coming in, and we went and got fingerprinted for elimination <laughs> fingerprints. I came home yesterday, and I sat in a chair, and I just sat there and put my head back, and I thought, all I want, Lord, is peace. I just I want peace. And I want to be able to sleep, and I haven't been sleeping well. I was looking through the um, table of contents in your book, Soul Care, When You're Weary, Embracing God and Exploring Creativity. And one of the things that you talk about is triage for soul care. Why, why don't you unpack that for us a little, both as in what we do in life and what writers need to do to make that first step into triage? Well, I think it's really important when we're in a season of busyness or a season of stress that we take a look at the stressors, the things that are causing us uh, to not have peace or that are keeping us from peace. And that's what I mean by triage is I, I usually take time when I find myself in that place of challenge. And I I spend some time with God looking at all of the things that are stressing me out. Mm -hmm. And I ask him, you know, is this something that I'm supposed to walk through? 
Is this something that you're going to build a bridge over? Or is this something that I just need to turn my back on? Hmm. And I think once we know what we're dealing with and we allow God to speak into those circumstances, then he can help us navigate what's ahead with peace, because we see it again and again in in Jesus's ministry. Right. Uh, he had all of these chaotic situations, but he walked into them and he brought peace. And I think that's what we do as writers with our words is when we are allowing God to work through us, we have the Holy Spirit who can take those words that we put on paper and he can speak peace into any circumstance that our readers are facing. But first, we have to know how we're supposed to navigate where we are. Mm. And I think that's why Jesus took so much time going away and praying was in essence for doing that spiritual triage and going to the father and saying, you know, what is this? What do you want me to do? And constantly plugging himself into the source that the father is not just for him, but also for us. I mean, God has promised us his presence. God has promised us his power and his peace. And we just forget. We, we say things like, well, at least I can pray for you. And yet prayer is the most amazing, powerful, effective thing that we can do. I really like that idea of the triage, mm -hmm. you know, because I think you're right. Like some of those things we can turn our back on and we might feel helpless, you know, and going to prayer and getting that, yeah, turn your back on that, you know, that's okay. It's like, it's a weight off, you know, or knowing you have to walk through something. It's it's God saying, I'm going to be with you though. I'm going to be with you. So I, I love that as just a way to start moving forward and get stuff off our plate that shouldn't be there to begin with. So that's, that's genius. <laughs> that's, we can all like do that in, in the new year. Uh, what are some other things? I'd, I'd love to know, like, what are some good things that writers can do as they're starting this new year to put maybe new habits or tactics into place to better do soul care? Well, I think the, my one hard and fast rule with writing, and as you all know, there are no hard and fast rules with writing, <laughs> um, but, but I do have one, and that is before my fingers hit the keyboard, I pray. Right. I don't care if I'm scheduling social media, if I'm going on Facebook, whatever it is. The fact is God wants to use my writing to touch others and to work through the words that I put on the screen or on paper or wherever they go. And I can't be that effective conduit if I am not first connected with God. And so that is just the one thing that I think every writer can do is to pray first. And then another thing I think we need to do is I think we need to leave behind the baggage of comparison. Yes. I think so often we are comparing ourselves to each other. We're comparing ourselves to expectations. There's just comparisons are, are just a trap from the enemy. Mm -hmm. And I think the only person we need to be concerned about when it comes to our writing is God mm -hmm. and whether or not we're being obedient. Right. Amen. Right. Gee, you're saying everything right. I love this. <laughs> I, comparisons are 
toxic. It's poison. What what do you think are some ways we can identify when we're doing that? Are there keywords, you know, that that might help us identify, oh wait, you're comparing yourself. Don't do that. Well, I think any time that I am looking anywhere but God for confirmation or affirmation, then I have fallen into the comparison trap. Um, when I'm looking at how many numbers I've got, how many reviews I've got, what my reviewers say, whether this person has a contract or an opportunity that I don't have, I am falling into that comparison trap. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Anytime we look outside, anytime we look at anyone other than the Lord, I mean, it's so easy to get our eyes focused on what God is doing for others and forget what He has done for us. Yeah. So, but He, but she, but her. <laughs> yes. Yes. The Lord, I've been doing this so much longer and I don't have that many contracts. <laughs> right. Are there other things that you can think of that might be good for, good practices for us besides praying, besides comparison? Um, are there other t- things we could maybe put into practice? I think it's really important to write regularly. And now I have a real issue with people who say you must write every day. Um, because I think God calls us to different seasons and different um, different walks, actually. When my kids were young, it was not possible for me to write every day. But yeah. I wrote on a schedule. Oh, you're such a biker. <laughs> and I wrote regularly. And I think that's another one of those things that we can let these voices creep into our minds and tell us that we're doing it wrong. And I think we need to remember that that the voice of the enemy can often use our voice to speak or the voice of someone yes. we love to yes. speak lies to us. And I think we have to be careful who we let speak truth into our lives. We can't always shut up the voices, but we can decide whether or not we're going to accept what is said as God's truth. Yeah. I'm, again, looking at the contents in your book, Soul Care, I'm going to have to get a copy of this. This is, I really love what I'm seeing here. Your first chapter, like I said, is triage. And then you talk about rediscovering peace. And then you talk about reconnecting with prayer play. I love that term, prayer play, which you also describe as worship. And, and then you move into letting go. And, and it's interesting because so many of us think that we have to do that step, that letting go at the beginning, that we have to let go. But I think that it's perfect because as we re-enter and rediscover peace, and as we reconnect with prayer, that enables us then to let go, to let go of things like failure and, and to let go of those comparisons and to enter into that spirit of rest, enter into dwelling in God. But you don't stop there. You go to moving on to joy. And and I've always felt that too often we stop with surrender and forget that there is joy when we go into surrender, when we enter into that, that union with God where we are focused on Him and we stay grounded in Him. Joy comes regardless, even if we're grieving, even if we're in pain, there is joy because of the knowledge of who it is that is with us and that stands with us in the midst of it all. 
Amen. I mean, I think it's so important to realize that when God calls us to something, the ability to discern whether or not it's God's call is not how miserable we are when we do it. So often we feel like if God really called me to this, then it would have to be hard or or difficult or misery. And in truth, God God wants us to be joyful and to enjoy the gifts that he's given us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious about the the prayer play. Just just describe that a little bit. That that's interesting. Well, I used to be very intimidated by prayer. I was surrounded by a lot of people at my church and in my women's ministry who were really good prayers, mm. especially, uh, you know, out loud. And I avoided praying out loud because I didn't think I was doing it right. And I was looking for a formula and a way to do it. And what God showed me is is prayer is what everybody knows. It's a conversation. Mm. And you can't do a conversation wrong when you're building a relationship and when you trust the person you're talking to. And so he showed me that my prayers don't have to be solemn, um, wordy sort of tombs of, of uh <laughs> Praise oh, and oh, Lord, we implore you, Almighty Goddess, to cometh among us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He showed me that I can go outside and I can sing prayers to him. I can laugh prayers to him. I can I can just enjoy the conversation wherever I am. Mm, I love it. I love it. And it's just it's a way for us to connect. You know, it's a way for us to connect with him. That's prayer, you know, and I'll just mention, you know, you were comparing yourself. (laughs) So no wonder that didn't go well. Um, So uh, let's, our time is almost up, but do you have like some final words of wisdom you'd want to leave with our listeners? I think the thing I hope everyone takes away from this is the fact that God wants that relationship. And there are times in our lives, like when my dad was was dying from Alzheimer's and we were in the midst of a caregiving season, when I couldn't go deep in a Bible study with mm-hmm. him, I couldn't spend hours in, in prayer or in anything. But God showed me that as long as I am focused on him, he is every bit as able and powerful in those in-between moments to give me the soul care I need mm. to get me through what I'm going through as if I could become a hermit for a month. Mm. So God is not dependent on my ability to spend time. God is dependent on nothing, right. but he's waiting for me to give him the bits and pieces of time that I have in those seasons of busyness that he has called me to. Mm, I love that. That's just such great words, Edie. I'm so glad that you've been with us today. And friends, as you take a look at this new year coming up and, and as you consider everything that is being impacted, your career, your family, your life, all of that, I encourage you, take these words to heart, ground yourself in the Lord, go deeper with God, and do some soul care so that you know you can stand firm in the one who has called you 
to share with others the words that he's given you and the one who loves you beyond anything we can imagine. Um, Happy New Year to all of you, and may it be a year steeped in God's blessing and peace. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.